very warm welcome to your Active's Health Podcast, where every week we dive into EU health policy and bring you the latest health news from Europe. I'm Giedra Pasetskita, a health journalist at Euroactive, and for today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to Jens Lundgren, professor of infectious diseases at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. He has been involved with clinical HIV research for the last 30 years, and for over a decade, he has been trying to develop better European standards for HIV testing. As this week is European Testing Week, a European campaign that aims to increase testing efforts and promote awareness of the benefits of earlier hepatitis and HIV testing, I'm talking with Lundgren about the importance of early diagnosis for HIV patients. For our listeners, I would like to highlight what he stressed at the end of our conversation. It is important to speak about testing strategies that include HIV, viral hepatitis, and other sexually transmitted diseases, as they all come together, rather than having testing strategies in silos of, for each disease. So, before further ado, let's jump into the interview. First of all, thank you very much for joining us today. To begin with, could you please tell me and our listeners what is the importance of early diagnosis and what it changes for the HIV patients? Well, briefly, uh, and we can maybe expand on this, but briefly, the reason is that if you get diagnosed early on after infection, you have substantially less risk of getting sick from your HIV disease. And the second one is that once you get on treatment, then your chance of submitting the virus to others uh, becomes essentially eliminated. Uh, and therefore, you are protecting by getting yourself on treatment, uh, those that you, in your social network, your sexual partners as well. As it means um, also, um, in a way, kind of reduction of cases, I assume that it's better for healthcare systems and probably economically it's less cost as well, right? Well, I mean, that's a, that's a natural consequence of that. HIV care is a lifelong uh, entity, and therefore, once you are infected uh, and on treatment, you will be on treatment for the remaining part of your life. Uh, and uh, obviously, we want to have less patients in our hospitals. <laughs> so if we can hopefully reduce the transmission burden, uh, getting less people infected uh, over time, uh, that's good for for those uh, who are infected, who no longer, uh, for those who's not infected but are at risk, right? So uh, it's good for the individual, but it's obviously also good for, for society. Yeah, of course. And uh, we're talking about early diagnosis, but actually, um, what would be the early diagnosis and how is diagnosis classified? So early diagnosis is essentially as quickly as possible. Uh, so this could be in the early weeks after the infection, uh, typically at that time. Uh, those who is just recently infected they will have uh, symptoms uh, of acute HIV infection. Uh, so they will have potentially fever. They may have a rash. They may uh, rash on the skin, a rash in their mouth. Uh, they may develop herpes zoster, uh, for example, on their skin. Uh, so, but typically after that, uh, the, the disease comes into a, uh, uh, a, a asymptomatic phase where you don't have, have symptoms. Uh, uh, and then as you then progress, if you don't get on treatment, uh, you may not feel a lot from the infection yourself. Uh, you may sometime have uh, a little bit of an infection, maybe more frequently than others, but but for many people, they don't experience the disease until they start to um, 
to contract a lot of different infections that they usually didn't have, uh, including tuberculosis, uh, uh, so quite serious disease. Uh, but also uh, we can see that if you're left untreated, your risk of uh, developing cancer is also elevated. Uh, so, um, And then we call that the more symptomatic case. It was previously called AIDS, uh, but that becomes, uh, we, we see that many other conditions that those who's part of the AIDS definition actually are seen with increased rate among untreated patients as the disease progresses. I really wonder, um, from what you see, what is the situation now uh, with testing within the European Union? And uh, like, for example, when I was uh, checking the numbers, it seemed that um, during COVID times, there were um, less um, cases of HIV. But probably it was just because um, the testing wasn't done as efficiently, right? Well, I mean, the COVID pandemic was really um, a downswing uh, on the efforts that was made and um, the acceleration of testing uh, throughout the continent. Uh, so the COVID was really not good for, for what we're talking about here. That is unfortunate, but obviously now things are settling down. As a consequence, we need to go back and refocus uh, on making sure we get all those infected uh, diagnosed. Do you see any other issues uh, or challenges uh, when it comes to efficient uh, testing and actually uh, ensuring that uh, people can be diagnosed early? Well, first of all, I want to emphasize that if you look at the European continent, the way WHO uh, identifies it, uh, we just need to understand that the number of people we are talking about here that is not on treatment that is uh, where the virus is contained, that's a startling high number. It's over 800,000 people. So, so this is not a trivial number. So why has it not gone down further? Uh, and there is obviously a number of different explanations for that. And uh, you, can, you can separate into those who is determined by the individual. Uh, so who is actually seeking care, uh, who is seeking testing. So that's, that's one thing. Um, so that's for the individual. But then, of course, there is the infrastructure uh, um, of how testing is being provided. Uh, and that's, this is typically governed by various testing strategies that each of the countries around the continent uh, are implementing. And we can see that uh, across the continent, although there are uh, very robust continent-wide testing guidelines uh, that it is fairly unusual uh, that they are comprehensively introduced in each of the countries uh, across the continent. Uh, and, and that's, of course, unfortunate that we essentially know what to do, uh, but we want to make sure that it actually is being done uh, and that each country uh, take, on, take this on in a serious matter and uses the international uh, sort of knowledge that we have uh, and implement that knowledge uh, within their country. Uh, uh, so that that's an important uh, component uh, of why this is not happening. It's not the only one, uh, but it's one. Uh, I also want to recognize, uh, in particular, depending on where you are in Europe, uh, that HIV is still linked to stigmatization and discrimination. We need to also have a societal discussion around that having an HIV test is actually good <laughs> and that those who happen to be infected, of course, they need to be handled like anybody else. It's not a disease that is deadly, uh, 
as long as we get a good and comprehensive testing uh, strategy in place. Uh, um, and I, I just wanted to maybe say a, a few more things. I mean, it's also about, about how the testing system have been set up. How easily accessible is it to get an HIV test? Uh, uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a lot of research done around self-testing uh, and, and self sampling uh, so you can get a test not necessarily having to go to a health clinic but you can do it uh, elsewhere that has been really successful where it was so it becomes easily accessible for the population to get uh, get tested uh, so so there's a lot of components here that needs to work together in order to get a comprehensive testing system in a in a given country yeah, I think it's uh, very important how um, how people actually can access uh, testing. And uh, uh, for example, I wonder um, how is it um, like there are, of course, gaps among communities, uh, how they can access uh, testing. And uh, is there approach or should there be an approach where um, healthcare kind of comes to the communities uh, uh, which are more at risk uh, to provide the testing services? Well, I mean, it's uh, for sure. I agree. I mean, it's it's uh, it's an old way of thinking that the health that you, that the population should always contact the health system. As you say, we need to reverse that thinking and make sure that health services that is important uh, that they become easily accessible uh, and in the vicinity where people actually live. So it becomes a true. Uh, an easy accessible option for people uh, to take. Uh, and there's a lot of work to be done around sort of decentralizing testing, a lot of uh, sort of evidence-based uh, approaches for how that could be done. Uh, so we want to see more of those uh, being actually implemented. Uh, so that's an important point. You mentioned a very interesting point about self-testing. Um, how is it now in the EU? Uh, is it available in all countries, uh, or is it becoming more popular? I don't think self-testing or self-sampling is uh, the is the way that most people should be, be tested, uh, but it should be uh, one possibility of getting an HIV test because it's obviously something that you can then do in your own controlled environment. Uh, um, and it is getting more accessible, uh, and it is possible to do now. Uh, uh, but I would like to make sure that this this uh, opportunity, this possibility, uh, is more widely accessible. Uh, because it, it is, I mean, for testing, it's really not one approach. It's a it's a comprehensive profile of different approaches that needs to go. Uh, come together in order to identify people. Some people get access to testing if they go to their GP, general practitioners, uh, and they're very comfortable with that. Uh, but others uh, live a different lives or have other issues that may not, where they do not want to uh, approach the general practitioner to get an HIV test. And that they should have uh, the possibility as well. So uh, I think in different countries around Europe, we need to work more to make sure that we have this comprehensive profile of testing uh, possibilities. Also, people who need testing come from different backgrounds. There are uh, migrants who might be not aware about how healthcare systems work. Um, they are not registered. They, they don't know where to seek for help. Importantly, when you say this, uh, because uh, people who is not sort of 
from the country. They don't really live in the country. I agree. They should still have the possibility of HIV testing. Of course, it raises some important issues around if the test comes out positive. Who, where, could, where can they get access to care? Right. Uh, uh, so there needs to be uh, some thinking around this to make sure that people, when they are in the country, that they can also provide care and the linkage between testing sites uh, and care providers are established. So we make sure that those who actually happens to be identified as being infected, so HIV positive, uh, that they can access care uh, immediately. That's the whole point of the testing, obviously, is to get people on treatment. Now, moving a bit away from the testing, um, one of the ways for prevention is also available uh, medicine like PrEP and PEP. Do you feel that people know about this? Do they have enough access to these drugs? Well, I mean, PrEP as an entity uh, is used in many countries now, uh, but you can always debate whether, quote-unquote, the right people get access to PrEP. Because, I mean, obviously, the whole thinking around PrEP is that you identify completely healthy people that happens to have uh, a lifestyle that makes them at risk of HIV. And that risk needs to be uh, not trivial, uh, but sort of reasonably sizable in order for PrEP to make sense. If that's the case, then they need to agree to take medicine uh, to uh, reduce the risk of getting actually HIV infected, right? So there's a lot of complicating steps in provision of PrEP uh, and where obviously the health system needs to be set up uh, to make sure that this becomes accessible. We talked about getting access to that uh, as, as locally as possible. Uh, um, but obviously, it also requires something from those who actually takes the medicine or wants to get access to PrEP, uh, that they need to feel comfortable around starting to take medicine without actually being infected for the purpose of avoiding getting infected. Uh, uh, so, so I just want to recognize that there is two parties uh, to make uh, PrEP successful. Uh, but clearly, uh, this is uh, accelerating uh, it has a good traction in many sort of subgroups of, of society, in particular among men who have sex with men, uh, and is now widened that further out. Uh, uh, but I think we are not still there where I think all those who is at risk actually uh, get on PrEP for sure. And when it comes to PEP, because... Um I was following one of the conferences uh, and uh, it was uh, mainly focused about the situation in Ukraine. And um, there was an example of uh, incidents of rape and uh, how PEP uh, could be a solution then. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that would be a very, a very uh, precise indication for using PrEP, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, so... Um, so and uh, absolutely that's uh, that's an important i mean post exposure prophylaxis makes sense uh, we use that in healthcare providers who get exposed to hiv uh, and obviously as you say uh, people who is unfortunate uh, and knew that they were in a situation where they may have had a risk of being infected uh, that they should start on prep but importantly for prep uh, it's important to make sure you access a site who can provide PrEP 
quickly after the exposure. Uh, so preferably within the first 24 uh, and, and, and certainly within the first 72 hours after the exposure. For my last question, um, I think I would like to ask you, um, as you have a lot of experience in this field, um, how do you see throughout of your work? Uh, is the situation changing? Is it getting thought better, especially regarding the early testing? And uh, also looking forward, um, would you like to see more uh, um, united European approach uh, on how to tackle HIV? Um, or you think that each country has more uh, its own way of dealing with it? Whether it's going in the right direction, I think that really depends on where in Europe you, we are talking about. Uh, there is in all three sort of sort of larger sub-regions of Europe uh, still a lot of people who is diagnosed with HIV. So none of the no places in Europe you can say we don't have a problem with still people not being diagnosed. Uh, but it has improved. Uh, uh, in uh, in certain countries, uh, in particular in the Western region of Europe, uh, as uh, access to testing has been more decentralized, as we talked about earlier. Um, elsewhere, it is not the same situation, unfortunately, and as a consequence, uh, a number, uh, a fairly sizable proportion of those who get diagnosed are diagnosed late in the course of their, their infection, what we call uh, late presenters. Um, both the European Centre of Disease Control and WHO Europe have comprehensive uh, testing strategies, uh, evidence-based and uh, with all the different documentation required. That being said, however, uh, maybe sometimes forgotten, but health policy is a uh, individual country decision. It's not something that Europe as a continent can decide. You should do this and you should do that. You can encourage, you can motivate, you can say this would be in your best interest. But in the end of the day, it is a decision that each uh, country's authorities, public health authorities and civil society uh, needs to make uh, decisions on. My, my view is clear. Uh, I would like to see more comprehensive testing uh, along the lines of what these guidelines uh, are, are recommending. Uh, I would want to make sure we continue to discuss this uh, um, so we continue to improve access to HIV care uh, testing and to make sure that those who are positive get access to, uh, to, to HIV care. That's the, the fundamental focus that we should, uh, we should continue to focus on uh, throughout the continent uh, um, uh, but uh, there's a lot of people who needs to be involved with this and there certainly needs to be a political will will with each uh, each of the countries because they are responsible for implementing uh, to make sure that it actually happens thank you so much jens for sharing your insights it's um, really very valuable maybe i haven't asked you something that you think it's very important to mention um, then please go ahead well, one last thing, if I can uh, indulge you, is that we have now talked about HIV for, for, for the last several minutes. I just want to remind that HIV, viral hepatitis, sexual transmitted diseases, uh, they all come together, not completely, but they all come together. So one point, one final point for me uh, would be Let's make sure we don't discuss these uh, testing strategies in silo for each disease. Uh, 
but actually look at how we develop a comprehensive testing uh, strategy that covers all the diseases I just mentioned here. Um, uh, it would benefit the overall uh, public health uh, if we think across the different diseases are just not one. That's a very important point, and thank you so much for raising it. And it's a nice note to end the podcast. So thank you very much, Jens. If you are enjoying listening to your Active's Health podcast, a friendly reminder that you can subscribe to our newsletter that comes out every Wednesday, the same weekday as our podcast. We will make sure to keep you up to date on the main EU health news. And don't forget to check other Euractive's podcasts as AgriFood Brief, Tech Brief, and Beyond the Byline. That is all from us today. Thank you for listening. We also want to hear from you. So if you have something to say, don't hesitate to drop us a line. Our email address is podcast at Euractive.com or contact us on Twitter or LinkedIn. This episode was brought to you thanks to our multimedia team. So special thanks to them and one and only Jonas Hellebuck. Until next Wednesday, stay healthy.